give it up for everybody that serves on our dream team in our church. Man, you are the church. I, uh, when I was in grade school, um, a good friend of mine and I, uh, seems like I always had a girlfriend. I don't know, you know, it's just my thing, I guess. But he, we had a, these girlfriends, and we were young, like I said, grade school. Um, and Jake, don't get any ideas. But anyway, so we went and we got them a ring. And, and don't get carried away. I don't, we called it a promise ring. I'm not sure what we were promising. But we went and got them a ring. And we were very thoughtful. The ring, I mean, I think my girlfriend had a February birthday, so we got her birthstone was February, and, and then he got his November. So very thoughtful. And it wasn't like a, a jewelry store. I mean, we're grade schoolers. It was more of a convenience store, but still, they were nice. And uh, so we got him a ring, and we knew they loved it because they came up with a little, like, saying. Uh, what, every time they saw us, and we'd point to the ring, and they'd be like, they'd say, BGMRB. And I'm like, Dang, yeah, yeah, BGMRB. And I had no idea what that meant, but I knew it was good because they smiled every time they said it. So, so I kind of tried to crack the code and I thought, BGMRB, B, okay, boyfriend, I'm the boyfriend, right? We're the boyfriend. BGG, uh, uh, good looking, generous, I mean, could mean a plethora of things. BGM, marvelous, magnificent, I had all kinds of ideas. BGM. Our, our relationship is like radiant. I mean, uh, we are, uh, we're, we're rugged. <laughs> Actually, we weren't that rugged. So that, it, it wasn't rugged, but maybe radiant. And then BGMRB. Well, the gift that we gave them was breathtaking. So I kind of figured I cracked the code, but here's the deal. A couple weeks after, you know, we gave them those rings, the code actually came out. We found out what it really meant. And it didn't mean those words I was just saying to you. It meant, it, it was some different words. And what it stood for was um, bubble gum machine ring buyer. And I thought, rude, are you kidding me? Bubble gum, what? That's what it meant. I kid you not, true story. I can't, so you know what I thought about? I thought about our, our series called Different, say Different. And the theme verse in the series is like Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. And I thought these girls would agree with that because they didn't think they were too blessed to receive. And I just, I think, then I think they dumped us. So it even got worse. I mean, and I didn't get the ring back as far as I know either. So they must have liked it. But uh, we're in a series called Different. And, and God has called us to be different. And the series stems on generosity. And generosity, not, not giving, by the way. Giving is different than generosity. Giving is something that you can do um, here, and you can do it there, and it's not wrong. But generosity is different. See, giving is something you do, but generous is who we are. At least that's who we want to be. And we've made a commitment. I've made a commitment to you in this three-week series because God has told me that there's three things that we're going to learn. We're learning how to consume less, how to give more, and how to save more. See, and, and to do those three things, you got to have a plan. You, it doesn't just happen just out of the blue. You need to have a plan. And, and, and uh, how do we say it? Last week, we learned that generous people are, are joyful people. And the reality is joyful people are generous people. So it goes together. So why aren't most people generous? And most people, by the way, probably aren't. And the reason why, and the reason why I haven't been most of my life, is because I'm with the 90% of Americans. See, 90% of Americans, when it comes to, like, say, finance or generosity, 90% of Americans um, struggle. They, they, they worry profusely about finance. I wrote it down this way. I said 90% of Americans feel financial pressure. And you know why? They've never learned to be generous. 
And it's something that you have to be taught. You're not born this way. You don't know how to be generous automatically. That's why this series is so crucial. That's why I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're watching or listening online because it's so important. And even as I say that, the, the, the Americans, the number one word, I've already told it to you, the number one word that's associated with, with that financial pressure, you know what it is? Worry. It is the number one word, worry. And it does, because we think to ourselves, I'm worried about, can I pay the bills? I'm worried about, will I have enough? Will I have enough for a car? Will I have enough for a home? Will I have enough to pay the rent? Will I have enough to buy that ring? Well, if you're a BGMRB, you'll have plenty because they're not that expensive. You know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you. Will I have enough? We worry about that. And what we do when we worry and we're in that crunch, we will self-sabotage ourselves. You, this is going to be crazy. You don't see yourself doing this, but many of you do. And many of you have, and I have too. And I'll show you what happens. It begins with worry. I think we got it up. It begins with worry. But when you worry about finances, you know what so many people automatically do? It starts at worry, and it will go to spending. So you go from worry to spending. Worry to spending actually more than we make sometimes. So, I, and you don't recognize it. Like you just feel worried and all of a sudden, two minutes later, you find yourself on Amazon Prime with 14 things in your cart. You're like, how'd that happen? Be because, because what's happening is you're worried about finance. So then you automatically start to consume. You'll start to buy because it makes you feel secure in the moment. Just in the moment it does. It's like, if I have that, then I'll feel secure. But it, you see how crazy it is, right? So I'm literally worried about finances. So I spend many times more than I make and I make it worse, but I'm really trying to compensate. It's a weird thing. But trust me, if you didn't see this before, this is why God is showing it to you. So it starts with worry. Remember, we've all been there. Some of us were there right now. And then we start spending, which is insane because I'm worried about not having enough. And when I spend, I have even less. But that's what we do because we're trying to like, we're trying to fill this thing. We're trying to just meet a need in the moment. It's crazy. So, but then it doesn't stop there. Then it leads to what? It leads to debt. So, so now I'm spending more than I make. And now I'm in debt. So, and that stresses me out because if I'm in debt, I have no margin. And when you have no margin, like when you're paycheck to paycheck or even tighter than paycheck to paycheck, it's stressful. I mean, if anything goes wrong, if the furnace goes out, if the brakes go out, if the stove quits working, whatever it is, you know you're in trouble. And that's no margin. And guess where no margin leads back to? Worry. And this cycle, this vicious cycle that we find ourselves in, you might not even recognize it. I didn't either until I started, started to look at what God said about it. And, it, and, and you think about it, so, so you're consuming, right? You're consumed with worry, so then you, 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 you consume something, you, you buy something, and then you have consumer debt, right? And then, and then you have no margin to consume anything else, and then you're consumed with worry again. You get it. So, so let, me just, let me just pose a question. How much would you need to not worry? Like, what would be enough not to spend maybe more than you make? Would it be 20%? Like, a 30%? Like, what if you walked into work tomorrow and your boss looked right at you and you said, you know what? You're not the best employee I have. In fact, you know, sometimes you complain a lot and sometimes you're late and sometimes you have a bad attitude, but dang it, I'm gonna give you a 40% raise just because I like you. And wouldn't that be awesome? 40% raise. Would that be enough to get to that point? Here's the deal. It wouldn't be probably. And I can tell you why. Because it's not about a percentage. It's about, it's about a perspective. It's not about a percentage. It's about a perspective. I'll say it a different way. It's not about the amount of money more that you make. It's about the mindset that you have. 
This is so, it's so key that you catch this. It's what God is showing us. You think about this. Think about this for a second. What if you could go back and, and remember what you made at your very first job? For some of you, you, got, you maybe only have to go back five years, six years. Some of you, it's 10 years. Some of us, it's like 20 years, 30 years. What, what did you make at your first job? Like one of my first jobs was, was oh my gosh, grunt labor at a, a manufacturing plant for a summer job. Now, now, personally, I think every kid should have to just do a summer of just pure grunt labor. Why? Because I had to do it. That's why, okay? So uh, it was, I mean, just whatever had to be done, I did it. And, I, and, I, and I, so I think I was making, to answer your question, or my question, I think I was making like six bucks an hour. I think that's what I made. And, and, and actually, I remember kind of getting a promotion, not money-wise, but like with, a, with job responsibilities. And they said, Monty, we're going to have you run the robot welder. And, and the guy's like showing me how to program this welder. And it's a big, huge arm that does this stuff and welds. And I'm like, I have no idea why they picked me. And I'm like standing a little list, and I'm hungover probably, and because that wasn't uncommon. And I'm I'm listening, and I'm like, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. So finally, he's like, here, he gives me the controllers, and, and I look at him like, oh boy, here we go. So I start messing with it, and the arm's like, and I turn around, and the arm comes and nails me right in the head, knocks me on the ground. So I'm laying on the ground, and I'm thinking to myself. This is not worth six bucks an hour. And you know what my boss is thinking? Uh, you're not worth six bucks an hour as I lay there. It was, so I don't know what your first job was. I think I was making six bucks an hour. Now, if, you, if I would have fast forward and you would fast forward to what you make today, you would think, oh my gosh, if you told me back then that I would be making this, I would have told you I am set. Like I am, if I made that much, I'd be, I'd be so good. I would never worry again. But here we are. Worried again. Here we are, discontent. Why? Because it's not a money problem. It's a mindset problem. It's got to change here. I keep Romans 12 too. I'll, I'll keep preaching until the day God calls me home. Do not conform to the ways of the world, but let God transform you by changing the way that you think. Changing the way that you think. If your income changes, you know what else changes? Your spending will change. Because that's the habit that you're in and that I'm in. This is, you know, make more money, spend more money, because that's what I've learned to do. And that's why when you see people that make a ton of money all of a sudden, maybe it's a sports, uh, maybe it's a pro athlete, maybe it's a celebrity, uh, for example, they don't probably live in the same house they grew up in. Can I just say that? All of a sudden, they have millions of dollars. Like if Tom Cruise calls you today, which he might do, you never know, if he calls you to say, hey, fly out to L.A. and come see my home. If you fly out to Tom's home and see his home, you're not pulling into the trailer park and looking at his double wide, okay? You're not doing that, okay? If he has a double wide, it's for his dog. That's, that's where the dog lives, okay? I just You spend more and you make more. You spend more and you make more. I've been there and you've been there. So again, how much money would it take for us to stop worrying? We already know the answer isn't 20%. The answer isn't 30%. The answer is not 50% because I can show you people making 50% 50 more that are still worried. I can show you people making 100% more that are still worried. So it's not that. Heck, John D. Rockefeller, the richest man in the world at one time, the only billionaire in the world at one time, bringing in like a million dollars a week, was riddled with worry, so much so, riddled with worry at 53 years old that he literally lived on crackers and milk. That's all he ate, and he never he had insomnia, didn't sleep. Why? He was so worried about losing what he had. It, it, that seems insane for you and I to hear, but if we're honest, we will live the same way. 
So why do we worry so much? Jesus would say, you worry, you worry, I wrote it down, you worry because you put your trust in your riches rather than the one who richly provides. You put your trust in riches, and I do too sometimes, rather than the one who richly provides. But it's not a money problem, it's not a lifestyle problem. Heck, if I could get real with you and get to the root cause, it's a spiritual problem. It is a spiritual problem. That's why God has so much to say about it. See, the cycle, if we could put the cycle up one more time of the worry and the, 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 the spending, you know what's the center of it? The center of that is normal. See, what we showed you, that is normal. But God, my God, and I'll tell you this, I'll keep preaching this to you as long as I'm the, your pastor, God has not called you to be normal. God has not called you to be like everybody else. God has called you to be different. Say different. Say I'm different. Shout I'm different. You are different. We're going to live differently, and God is going to show us how. We're learning right now that more money doesn't mean less worry. More money doesn't mean more, more contentment. It doesn't mean that. But, but the reason so many people believe it means it is because that's what we've been taught. That's what we've, that's what we've maybe been brought up knowing. I call it the consumption assumption. Say consumption assumption. I know. It's kind of fun to say, isn't it? That is the title of today's message. Can I tell you what it is? It's right up there. If it comes to me, it's for me. That's the consumption assumption. It's simple. If it comes to me, then if, like, if it's put in front of me, it's for me. I mean, I'm guilty of this. Jody and I, go out, we go out to eat, and Jody, when they put a dessert in front of me, well, I'm assuming that's come to me. It's for me, so I consume the dessert. But I don't stop there, because if there's a dessert over here, I still feel like it's come to me, because even though it's over here by Jody, I'll think, well, that's also for me. So I'll grab my fork, and I'll go over to this dessert, and I'll grab a little bite of that, and Jody's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just trying out your dessert to make sure it's not poisonous. I want to make sure you're okay. I'm that kind of guy. So I, I try your dessert, and she says, oh, no, I'm going I'm to eat this dessert. And I said, Jody, Jesus says that we're supposed to share. And she says, she says honey, Jesus says we're not, you're not supposed to be a pig. And I'm like, I don't know if Jesus did say that. But anyway, so, anyway, so if, it, if it comes to me, it's for me. This is the consumption assumption that so many of us have grown up and so many of, so many, so many of us live by. You know, you know what Jesus would say? How he could sum all that up, what I just told you about the consumption assumption in one word? Greed. That's what it is. Greed. And you know, here's the, here's the thing about greed. You can't see it in the mirror. You can't see it in the mirror. Because when we think of greed, you know what we think of? We think of somebody with all their riches and all their money, like someone who's laying in the middle of their bed with all the money just they're rolling around in it, you know? I thought... I've always wanted to do that, by the way. But anyway, it'd be $1 bills if I ever did. But it doesn't matter. So, but we think about, or we think about some miser in some castle counting his gold. They're greedy. I'm telling you what, it's not that. It is not that. So I, I wrote this down. <laughs> greed. At the end of the day, where does greed lead? Guess what? It leads back to worry. It's insane how, how it works, but this is how it works. And we worry, not because we can't get what we need, but we can't get more of what we want. We can't take it to that next step. We got what we need, but we think we need more. And we want this and we want that. I'm telling you. But here's the good news. Say good news. Here's the good news about generosity. You ready for this? Here's the good news. When you center and organize your world around generosity, it crushes the consumption assumption. It actually, what it does, it will turn that worry into joy. 
and it will change the way that you think and it will change the way that you live and it will change the way that you give and all of a sudden you realize I'm not normal but I am different you're called to be different it's so exciting when you get this and it's not about how much money you have or how much money you make we learned that last week it has nothing to do well once I have that much money I can be generous no 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 I'm telling you it's way bigger than that we can all be generous today and God is showing us how Oh, the word of God. I want to preach to you out of a gospel. Gospel literally, literally means good news. So in Luke 12, that's where I'm going to go. If you brought a Bible or the mobile app, go there. If you don't have those things right here with you, I'll put it up on the screen. Luke 12, verse 15. I'll set it up. Jesus, when Jesus taught, he, a lot of times he'd tell stories. He loved telling stories called parables because people learn that way, and Jesus knew that. So Jesus is preparing to tell a story. But he sets it up this way. He says first, he says, beware to everybody that's listening. Beware. Guard yourself against every kind of greed. Life is not measured. Ooh, life is not measured by how much you own. And then Jesus did what Jesus did so well. He broke into a story and he said a rich man had a fertile farm. Oh, it produced some fine crops. And the farmer said to himself, Self, what should we do? I don't have enough room for all that I've got, all these crops. I, so in other words, he's saying, I got so much. I've got so much stuff. I need to, I need to store stuff in a third stall garage. I've got, I got so much stuff. I need to like store it in, in my unfinished basement or I need to go get a storage unit. I have so much stuff. And some of you, you might be thinking, oh God, I wish I had that problem. I wish I had that much stuff. Listen, even if you're leaning that way and thinking that, God might be revealing something to you about your heart. So he has so much stuff. And he's like, what do I do? What do I do? And then he said, I know. I know. I'll do what I've always done. Because every time I make more, every time I get more, I do what I've always done because that's what I know to do. And this is what he says. I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones and then I'll have enough room for to store all my wheat and all the other goods. In other words, I'll save it now and consume it later because if it came to me, it's for me. I'll just store it up. I'll just save it up and I'll use it for later and I'll sit back. Verse 19 says, I'll sit back and say to myself, self my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Mm, eat, drink, and be merry. Do you, know what was, do you know when I read that this week as I prepared to bring a word to you? As soon as I read that, you know what I thought about? A word that you've heard of and I heard of? Retirement. Isn't that what we do? Well, I'm going to store up. I'm going to save up. I'm going to prepare. And that's not a bad thing. Preparing for retirement is not bad. But I'm telling you, when it's all about me, and it is. Retirement's not in the word of God, by the way. Uh, it's, 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 it's a man-made idea, not a God-made idea. That was never God's plan. That we would think about how, how think about how unbiblical it is. I'm, when I get to be 65 or 67 or whatever, I'm, then it's all about me. What? You mean you're going to work all those years and save up as much as you can, and then you'll get to travel the world, and you'll get to go at the, to the spas, and you'll get to golf every day, and you'll get to live your life the way you want to live because it's all about you. Are you kidding me? 
I'm not saying you can't get to an age where you do some fun stuff. I plan on it. But to have this mindset that I, I can't wait till I get to a certain, how do you know you're even going to get there? Before I got called into ministry, I, I had a job in, in the regular world, in the secular world, and I kid you not, it was a job that had an incredible pension at one time. It had incredible, like, um, uh, uh, yeah, a pension and, and, and um, retirement or whatever. So, so many people I knew there, and they didn't love their job at all. In fact, many of them hated it. But they're like, well, in 20 years, I'm thinking to myself, in 20? So you're, you're content for the next 20 years, just three people. I could give you their names. Three people that, that, that I know thought that way and said that way, three people died within weeks after they retired from that place. I, and, I think, and it's so sad to me. You worked your butt off and you and had a job that you literally hated because, oh, one day I get the pension. One day I get this. Are you kidding me? Well, okay, it's, it's weird that I would say that, right? Listen to what happens next in Jesus' story. You might see it coming. So, God said to him, remember he said, I'm going to eat, I'm going to drink, I'm going to be merry, it's all about me. And God said, you fool. And, he, and God doesn't call him a fool because he's rich. God calls him a fool because he's greedy. He says, you fool. You fool. You will die this very night. Oh, oh, you thought, wait a minute, you thought all your riches guaranteed you more time. Oh, you thought all your stuff meant you would have all the years to spend this stuff. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not how it works. That's not how it goes. And Jesus, and then Jesus sets this question up. Oh boy, this is a good question. Then, okay, you're going to die this very night. Then, who's going to get everything you worked for? Farmer, who's going to get it all? Who's going to get everything? You know what the answer is? Somebody else. Somebody else, not because he was generous, but because he was dead. <laughs> it's tough to spend it when you're in the dirt. So, I mean, he was somebody else. And I thought to myself, well, Jesus, what you're really saying is this. He never really owned it in the first place. So, so, so here's what happens. Now Jesus is done telling the story. He says, who's going to get it? Who's going to get it all? Who's going to get it all? And then Jesus steps out of the story, and then he looks at you, and he looks at me, and he says this. He leans in, and he says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but is not rich towards God. So, so pastor, what do you mean rich towards God? I don't really understand. Being rich towards God or, or, or being generous to the things towards God. It's like when you're rich towards God's people, you're rich towards God because God loves his people. When you're, okay, I'll say it a different way. When you're generous to the things that matter to God, you're, you're rich or generous towards God. I said earlier, I was thanking so many of you for the way that you give back to God through the church. Trust me, Jesus Christ cares, cares about his church. The Bible says he died for it. So when I see people give back, and by the way, after last week's message, we had more people giving for the first time, and you might think the increments are really small. I see them as huge because they're making a statement. I'm going to start giving. I'm going to start trusting God. I'm going to start being generous. And I'll remind you again what I always remind you, that when you give back to God, when you are rich towards God, when you are generous towards God, I mean, you are making an impact. Check this out. In, in less than three and a half years, 361 people have given their lives to Christ in this church. See, that's rich towards God. That's what you're giving to. 
It's so big. It's so important. Jesus is saying, you know what? It was never yours. You've heard it. Everything you own is on loan. It's not yours. And the main point, one of the main things I want you to take away is this. If we're going to be generous, and God wants you to be generous, and God wants me to be generous, generous people do something. Actually, generous people don't do something. Generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. I'm going to say it again. Generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. They don't do that. And think about it. They know they're not the owner. Generous people live in a way every day they know this isn't mine. I mean, I've been entrusted with it for a season. God's blessed me with it, but it is not. And at the end of the day, it's not mine. Because when that generous person dies, when that farmer dies, when you and I die, it's not ours anymore. And you know, you know when this is really a stark reality? When you and some of you, you've been through this already with a parent or a, or a grandparent that has passed away, you start going through their stuff. And you start looking at all the things that matter to them. And you know, you know what I can tell you about their stuff? It's not theirs anymore. You know, who, you know whose it is? It's yours. Or somebody in your family. That's whose it is. Oh, it's a stark reminder. I mean, my mom, praise God, my mom is alive and well. But my mom, she's a, I mean, I'm going to say it nicely. She's a saver, okay? She likes to save things. I remember being at my mom's house one day, and I looked in her garage, and I'm like, Mom, there is stuff piled to the ceiling on that side and that side. And there's literally, it's like she measured it. There's literally enough room to get the car in. I don't even know how she got out. I think she went in the back seat, crawled through the trunk, and got out. I have no idea. It's like right in there. And I'm thinking of someday, someday, we got to go through that stuff. Now, all that stuff matters to my mom. Must, because she's keeping it. Now, does all that stuff matter to me or my siblings? Probably not as much. So guess what? One day, when God calls my mom home, we, me and my, my sisters and brother, we get the privilege of going through that stuff. And guess what? That stuff that mattered to my mom that doesn't matter as much to me or my siblings, you know where it's going to go? Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, it's going in the trash. And mom, I'm sorry if you're watching this right now. But anyway, I'm just being honest. So that's where it's going. It, it, in fact, here's what's ironic. Last weekend, my sister uh, was at my mom's house. And they were going through some stuff. And my sister sends me this old picture that she found of me. In fact, here it is right here. And uh, it says a lot about who I am. But yeah, so my sister sends me this picture of me riding a sheep. And I'm sure, I, whoever took this picture, by the way, whatever sibling took that, I'm sure they thought, one day I'm going to blackmail my brother Monty. Well, you know what? I beat you to the punch. I'm just going to put it out there. There it is. I rode sheep. And don't look at me like that either, because you've done some weird things too, right? <laughs> no, no one's found out about it yet, though. That's, all, that's the only difference there. So, but yeah, we're going to go through stuff like that, you know? So that's, that's what's going to happen. And guess what? It isn't my mom's anymore. It's ours. And, and it's different. Generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. And since it'll be taken away, why, why don't we learn to give it away? Now listen, I'm not saying you have to give it all away unless God tells you to do that. I believe in saving. I believe in uh, uh, saving for when you're older in your years and stuff like that. That's, that's a good thing to do. But let me ask you a question. Why would you live, do me a favor, take your hands or at least one hand and, 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 and put it in a fist, a tight clenched fist, do this online too. Do this at right where you're watching, right where you're listening. God, unless you're, unless you're driving a car, okay? Don't do that. That's dangerous. But, but, but just clench your fist together tight. Listen to me. This is how most people live. They're not bad people. 
They're scared people. They're worried people. They're, they're, I've never been taught this principle, people. That's who they are. And they're so riddled with fear. And they live just tight. I mean, it's... And you know what they're worried about? And it's going to look like greed. You can't see greed in the mirror. But, but I wrote down worry. I wrote down you have a scarcity mindset. It, it, and that always leads to discontentment. It always does. To live like this. This is how most people will live their life. You're not most people. I hope you know that. This is how most people, they'll never get to the point where they're generous. And you know what I can tell you? They're the ones who are missing out. They're the ones missing out. They never get to this point. Now do me a favor. Relax and open those hands up with this posture. You see, this is a giving posture. This is a generous posture. Do you feel in your spirit and in yourself how much more relaxed you are? How much more content that can feel? I wrote down with hands open, watching online, in the room, hands open. You, you learn that you can live free. You learn that you can live worry-free. You can live debt-free. You can live stress-free. You can live totally different. But listen to me. When we keep the focus on ourselves, when we, when we assume that if it comes to us, that is for us, we miss out. We miss out on the joy and the blessing of giving it away and impacting the kingdom of God forever. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out, God. I want to give because you give. But we got to teach each other how to do it. Okay? And for you, we, we need to consume less. We need to pause before we spend. Do you need it? I had a conversation with a pastor this week. Just ran into him by chance, but we're good friends. He, he, t he didn't even know I'm preaching on, on uh, this topic. And he tells me the story, so just God's crazy. So he says, you know, when I was young in my ministry, fresh pastor, young guy, his pastor told him, hey, there's a family that wants to give to the church. And they have this roll of carpet, and I want you to go pick it up. And he's like, okay, no, it's not that uncommon. So he has to arrange it. He has to find a vehicle, and he has to go there, and, you know, carpet's not light, so he's got to manhandle this carpet with the owner. But when he sees the carpet, he's taken aback. It's not a new roll of carpet. It's an old roll of carpet. And that's not the worst thing. It is an ugly, an uggo roll of carpet. Shag carpeting. And he said it was, it was ugly, disgusting, used. He didn't say anything. He's like, are you? Other than maybe, are you, are you sure this is the role? I mean, was there another one? No? Okay, all right. They grab that carpet. They put it in whatever truck or vehicle he had. He hauls it all the way back to the church. And he's thinking, this is, pastor's probably going to be mad when he sees this roll of carpet. So he goes up to his pastor and he says, hey, that roll of carpet, I, I got it back. And he starts, he's going to tell him what it is and what it looks like. And his pastor's like, yeah, you can go throw it in the trash. He's like, What? He goes, I didn't even tell you what it, what he, he didn't even know if it was new or used. He says, I just threw it in the trash. He probably knew. And he says, I don't get it. Why would you even tell me to go get it? Why would you go through all the work of getting it if you don't want it? And his pastor said, you know what? Sometimes people need to give more than we need to receive. And I just sat there thinking about that. Giving is such a joy. And so many people like this, they don't get it because they've never been taught 
and they have no margin and they're not bad people. They just don't feel like they can do it. That's why I say just start small. Just start to make small steps. They had to give. That wasn't the end of the story. Here's what's crazy. That family that had that disgusting roll of carpet, the, the father in the family died and left the estate to the church that was worth $1.5 million. They had no idea that money was there when they went to go get the carpet. They had no idea that there was some estate gonna be signed over to the church. And I wonder when it happened. I wonder when the guy, that head of the household that passed away, I wonder when he said, God, it feels so good to give. Giving that carpet away felt amazing. I love, I wonder if they're gonna use it in the youth ministry. I wonder if they're gonna use it in the kids ministry. Well, the truth is we ain't using it because we don't want to, but you don't need to know that. He just had the joy of giving it away. And, and that's amazing. And he said, you know what? I, I love, that felt so good. You know what, honey? Bring the will over. Let's do something. I wanna live like that. I wanna give like that. And, and oh, by the way, the Rockefeller, 53 years old, living on crackers and milk. He lived to be 97. Do you know how he turned his life around? He started giving everything away. And it completely changed his health physically. I want to live like that. And I, I believe you do too. And it's not easy, but I want to do it together. I want to offer you something. It's something that was offered to Jody and I when we first started coming back to Christ and our finances were upside down. We didn't feel like we could be generous with anything or anybody. And it's a program, it's a curriculum called Financial Peace University. How many here have heard of it? How many here have done it? Okay, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I want to offer this to you. You want to get set free financially? You want to learn to be generous? You want to, you want to live like nobody else? This is how you can do it. It starts March 8th. It's only nine weeks. It's once a week for nine weeks. What if you invested just like an hour to an hour and a half a week for nine weeks and it radically changed your life? I promise you it will. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. I'm on film saying that. I promise you it will change your life. That's how much I believe in it because I've done it. So if you're interested in financial peace, it's local here. It's going to happen at Nebraska Christian College, really close to where we're at. And um, if you're interested or you have questions or you want to do it, whatever, if God's tugging at your heart, write financial peace. Type financial peace in the comments online. Write financial peace on your card, on the connect card. Hand it in. We'll connect with you. But I'm telling you, this is a step towards generosity. This is a step towards getting set free. This is a step towards living the life that you've always wanted to live but never knew how. This is it. This is for you. This is for you. Some of you are going to get generous with serving. We've talked about dream teams. I, I kid you not. Please, 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 if, if the Holy Spirit's prompting that, write dream team down. We'll connect with you. I'll close by saying this. Is saving more money bad? Is, is, is planning your retirement bad? I don't even want to use the word retirement. Is planning for the future bad? No, it's not bad. John Wesley said, save all you can, give all you can, or save all you can, uh, make all you can, so you can give all you can. I love that. So, I, but I wrote this down and lean in. You ready? Planning and saving, preparing for life before death, that's wise. But neglecting life after death, that's disastrous. Nothing I said today matters. Nothing I said today matters if you don't know whose you are. And if you're not, and if you don't have Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit in you, 
it doesn't matter. You cannot hardly be generous without the one who is the greatest gift giver in the world living in you. So I always have to close by telling you that this world is not your home. Should you plan? Should you save? Should you give? Should you be generous? Absolutely. Because people are going to see Jesus in that. In you. That's the goal. But God forbid we do all this stuff this side of heaven and, and do all these things and never surrender to the one who wants to set us free. We will not let that happen. So God gave me one more scripture. Thanks for leaning in. You'll be out of here in six minutes. Don't time me. Okay, Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and to you and I. And he says, listen, if you want to follow me, and I believe you do if you want to follow me, you got you to gotta start doing some things different. You got to give some things up, things that aren't good for you. Give up what you want, because what you want is never as good what I have for you. Take up your cross and follow me. In other words, live for me, live my will. If you try to hang on, oh, I love it. If you try to hang on, you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life up for, for the sake of me, you will save your life. What benefit, you ready for this? What benefit do you gain? You stockpile it all up. You're rich. You've got your storage full. You've got your bank accounts full. You gain it all, but you lose your soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? I'll answer, no. No. It is not. Your world might last 80, 85 years here, maybe 90 if you're lucky, I guess. Your next life will last 90 trillion years and more. Why would we invest so much on this side of heaven? I want to give it away. I want to impact people. I want to impact God's kingdom. I want to do that. But it's not easy because I got a selfish heart. The principles I taught you today that God taught us today, by the way, they're for anybody. If you don't believe in Jesus, you can use these principles in your life and they'll help you. Jesus was always inviting people who didn't know him or believe in what he did to follow him. I love that. Oh, by the way, at the end, nobody really believed in him. It's crazy. No one did. Jesus Christ went to a cross to save us from our selfishness, our sin, our stains, our, 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 our mess-ups. Never let this story get mundane or old. It's the greatest news in the world. So Jesus dies on that cross to take away everything that we've done wrong, all of our mess, okay? And then he goes into the tomb. And the reason I can tell you that when he was put into the tomb, that nobody was believing at that time, because Jesus said numerous times, what's going to happen in three days? What's going to happen in three days? What's going to happen in three days? How many times does he say that in the Word? I don't even know, but it's a lot. So here's why I know no one believed. Because guess, guess what wasn't happening on that Sunday morning? Here's what wasn't happening. They weren't all gathered around the tomb and saying, all right, you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Here we go. Ten, nine, eight, seven, Six. They weren't saying that. Why? Because no one believed anything was going to happen. But guess what? Something happened. Say something happened. Oh, did something happen. Even though nobody was around to celebrate it, there were some women there to anoint a dead body. That didn't matter at that point. Because at that moment, when the stone was rolled away, Jesus Christ came out of the tomb and He was alive. And because of that, you and I have hope. You got hope.
Shout, I got hope. Type, I got hope. I got hope. You got hope. So, so, so accept it. You want to get saved? You want to have Christ in you? Call on his name. Ask him to forgive your sins. Ask him to make you new and he'll do it. He'll do it right now. Type, I choose Jesus in comments if you're watching online. In the room, you can mark whatever on your card. Let us know what the Lord is doing. But he wants to save somebody today. He wants to set somebody free today. And you know who you are. You know if you've gotten off track and God is calling you back on track. And once you're back on track, he'll change you. It may not happen immediately, but it'll happen eventually because you can't have Christ in you and not change. That, my friend, is impossible. So, all right, I'm going to pray for you. Gosh, I hope the Word of God blessed you today. I hope you're learning that generosity isn't about an amount. It's about the heart. Jesus gave everything for you. He loves you so much. Sell out to Him. What does it gain to keep everything you have but lose the most important thing? Eternity. Father, thank you so much for your word and your truth. God, I, we don't want to live like the farmer lived, living in the moment, seeing what was only in front of him, and then, and then having everything swept out from under him. He shouldn't have been shocked, God. You know why? We're not guaranteed later this afternoon. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Oh, God, I'll sell out to you next week. You, we may not have next week. We might not have tomorrow. We don't know. God, may we sell out to you today. Help us take steps towards generosity. God, I pray right now, I'm telling you, God, as your Holy Spirit moves in this place, I pray that people are writing on their card, Financial Peace University, I will be set free. They're, they're even typing in comments, Financial Peace, I will be set free. I will live generously. I will live differently. God, I pray that people are leaning into dream teams. God, I pray that people are going to do whatever your Holy Spirit tells them to do. Thank you for Jesus. Good people don't go to heaven. Even generous people in and of itself don't go to heaven. People that just go to church don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. People who have called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they go to heaven. We can't earn it. Thank God we can't earn it because I never could. We just got to receive it. Ah, we just got to receive it. I want to receive it. We want to receive it. May we receive you today, God. May we do whatever you tell us to do. We love you. We thank you. Hmm. God, the best is truly yet to come. Not because we know what we're, not because we know what we're doing, but because you do. Have your way. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, but don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I want to ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.